Good afternoon and welcome to your Book Garden Radio, a copyrighted show presented by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Tina Susetic, your host. After a week of sweltering heat and humidity and then violent storms here in Wisconsin, we are finally enjoying some comfortable, non-humid days. It's just this week has just been a nice breath of fresh air. Today I am thrilled to have New York Times best-selling author Carla Neggers. I have never had the pleasure of meeting Carla, but I have enjoyed reading her books over the years. She is the author of the Sharp and Donovan series featuring Boston-based FBI agents Emma Sharp and Colin Donovan and the popular Swift River Valley series set in the small fictional New England town of Knightsbridge. With many bestsellers to her credit, Carla loves to write now as much as she did when she climbed a tree at age 11 with pad and pen. Welcome, Carla. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. We were just talking off the air briefly about how, what a beautiful state you live in. Yes, I live in uh, um, central Vermont near, um, near the Connecticut River and Woodstock. A lot of people know Woodstock and Queechy Gorge. Oh, okay. so, um, I'm up on, yeah, I'm up on a hilltop. And we've been here for for quite some time, but I grew up in a small town in western Massachusetts, um, which is actually, um, our house was actually on the uh, western edge of the Quabbin Reservoir, which I write about in the Swift River Valley series. So that tree I climbed um, was actually, I could go up on this sugar maple and sit on my favorite branch and look out across the Quabbin Wilderness. You couldn't see the reservoir because of the... um, there, there's just a watershed of trees around it, and and our house was right on that border, and uh, it was just it's just fun to think about, um, you know, just getting from that point of being this kid, and this, I grew up in a very big family. I have six brothers and sisters, number three, and um, even oh, so am I. Oh, are you? <laughs> and yeah, um, I'm the third of seven. <laughs> Third of seven. Oh gosh, it's like well, well, yeah. yeah. You know what that's like then, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And there was uh, so it was it was just seven kids, and my father was a Dutch immigrant. My mother um, came from the from the Florida Panhandle, and they ended up in New England, which is a long story and their story. But there I was, and so I've always lived in the Northeast, um, but I travel extensively. We go to Ireland a lot, and to Holland. I have a lot of family there, as you can imagine, first cousins and whatnot. So, um, and I love to write. Uh, I'm very fortunate to be able to, to write and to to live, you know, to live where we live um, up on my hilltop. Although it's been a little little hectic this summer, um, we've had quite an extensive landscaping operation going on. You know, push came to shove, and we have to do some retaining walls, and that's a lot of work. Uh, and stuff. So, yeah, which is actually since I stone bridges, the, my most recent book in the Swift River Valley series has a stonemason. So I'm like, oh, you know, should I have these guys out here before while I was writing the writing the book? But it's kind of fun to put my stonemason knowledge to work as I as I watch them uh, put in these these three retaining walls. But it's been not noisy today because they're not here. It's been raining. Oh. Oh, okay. That'll that'll stop them in their in, in their tracks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> besides writing, I also read that you um, you love to run. Yes, I do. Um, I I didn't always love to run, mind you. I started to run um, a few ago. Uh, my daughter 
who lives in Boston, um, and she has uh, this is the oldest of our grand grandkids, the three little grandkids, and she and and little Leo were about a half a block from the second bomb that went off with the Boston Marathon oh. bombing. She was watching, yeah, you know, she was watching um, a friend who was running for the parties library actually. Um, she was waiting for him to to finish, and and just got swept up in that traumatic and just scary and all of that. And so what we did was we decided we were going to run a half marathon together. We've been talking about it, and we just, you know, that's just something we're going to do to kind of, um, I don't know, process this whole experience. So we um, ran the covered half marathon here in um, Vermont together, and it's actually in a long part of my running route, so so that that helped. And I started out by running a minute. Just, you know, it's like sometimes you got to build on <laughs> incremental progress, yeah. you know, the power of incremental progress. So I, I went from running a minute to running 30 minutes and then ultimately to um, running and finishing that first half marathon. I've run it since then three times. And I also, um, I was just thrilled to be able to run the Dingle Half Marathon and marathon, it's, it's two races, but I ran the half marathon part. No desire to run a marathon. Um, and that's in on the southwest coast of Ireland, and that was just an incredible oh. experience. That does so neat. That would be, yeah, that that would be incredible. Yeah. That would be neat. I would love to go to Ireland someday. I've never been there, but, you know, it just everybody says it's just beautiful. So do you, ha- do you have family oh, in, in Ireland? Because I... Oh, okay. No, we actually don't. Um, I've got a lot of family in, in Holland. We have uh, quite a number of friends. And my um, son-in-law is of Irish descent, and his father, who's a psychiatrist, did um, his residency or part of his residency in, in Ireland. Um, and so, and they have family there. That, that's what started us going to Ireland was our, um, they mm-hmm. went, my son-in-law and my daughter went on their honeymoon to Ireland and she came back and said oh, you'll love it you'll love it and so we we went we all went as a family and then we've been going up, um, on our own ever since got the got the little guys over there too um and, uh, mm. and our son's been over there too with us so uh we just love it and we've made we've made a number of friends there uh, if you read the Sharp and Donovan series there's a lot about whiskey in and there's some Ireland scenes in the series and but the whiskey parts um a friend of ours um helps you'll see he's john moriarty and uh he helps me out with um, whiskey research primarily but also with um, some of the irish research when you're writing and seeing i know ireland pretty well we we go frequently two three times a year and there'll be certain certain phrases that i want to check with him um and and he'll he'll help me out to see does this sound right to you does it sound irish from you know, the way an Irishman would say this particular phrase um, or a particular word or whatever. So he's been a great help, and and we love we love visiting. Well, I kind of wondered about the you know with the name Donovan. I thought, oh, that must got to be Irish because I haven't read any of those yet. I've read some you know the other ones, but I haven't read any of the Sharp and Donovan. And uh, my my to be read list is like out of this world. <laughs> like I'd imagine everybody else's is, but you know who loves oh, to read. Yeah, the best um, <laughs> Absolutely, we all gotta, you know, have have our, our to be read list and the to be read pile yeah. and the to be reads. In I don't know if you're an e reader or not, but there's yeah. the people, you know, just like 
have all the lists in the e-readers, and, and it's just, um, yeah. I love having um, books to read. Now, you know, there was some discussion about it um, with the Marie Kondo thing, and I love I love her purging and, and, and how she tidies up, um, but it was about the books and whether... Uh-huh. There are. It's true. <laughs> and sometimes you do have books around that you're never going to read, and and holding one in your hand and think, are you going to read this or not going to read this is, is an interesting yeah. experience. Or having or going down your list. I guess when it's sitting on an e-reader, though, it it doesn't feel like it, it doesn't. I don't know. It's not clutter, right? I guess. I guess right. you can make yeah. an argument. I've got. Clutter. Yeah, I've got so many books on my e-reader that there's times where, especially if I'm, you know, reading, you know, an, an author and I'm reading, because I try to read several of the books before I interview them and and, uh, and before I can take them off and I try to put another one on there and I have no more space left. <laughs> so, ah, like, okay. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm I, I go back and... New to it. Oh, okay. I love it for traveling yeah, a, because, you know... I've got Absolutely. 900 books at my fingertips, you know, where my husband is like, how many books should I pack? Oh. How many books should I pack? Well, we can find a bookstore, if I need, you know, if I need to or, or whatever. And it's like, you know, don't take any library books because you might lose them. Oh, <laughs> you know, I thing. thought I had a lot when I got like 30, you know, 900. <laughs> but, you know, you're never going to run out of reading material. That's another panic. If you travel and you just bring a book with you. And you and you finish your you know physical book and you finish it and there's no bookstore around I mean and you can have that little alone oh. like what am I going to read and you yeah said, it's you know traveling Go and and going to going to inns and house you know houses we'd rent and seeing what's on the bookshelves because people um, oh yeah will leave books behind and um, I actually you know, I read a Irish author who writes a book about a FBI agent in Colorado while I was in Ireland last September, and it was just it was just a book that was somebody um, who said they had just left behind, and I really enjoyed her, um, and so then I read I read some more. But you're mentioning the Sharp and Donovan series, and that's you know that's more suspense. Swift River Valley is more contemporary romance, women's fiction. And um, Sharp and Donovan also is it's romantic suspense, but it's continuing FBI characters, and and part of each of the books takes place in Ireland. Okay, that was one of the questions I was going to have is is you know because you have like five besides, well you you have over seventy five books in print, and um, you have five series, but then you also have standalones that are romantic suspense and and and. Conventional or, or contemporary romances, classic romances, um, and I wanted to ask you about the different. You know, if you could describe the different um, series that you have, because um, I've been reading the Swift River Valley, which I'm I'm really enjoying, and um, it's it's neat to know that that reservoir you talk about that's that's totally true. How that was created, correct? Yeah, how so you describe um, it in the book. Absolutely, that and. Um, the first book of the series, Secrets of the Lost Summer, is one of those books that just came together in this whoosh. It's like, I don't know, maybe some, somehow or another it was percolating in the back of my mind when I was sitting up in a tree looking out at the reservoir and writing. But um, the town I grew up in, part of it was taken to create the reservoir, but um, five towns were um, 
razed, you know, everything and disincorporated, everything was taken out of the towns and the grass was quite clean and the valley was allowed to fly. And, and that was back in the 1920s and 1930s was when all the construction of the dams happened. And then the reservoir, it took about eight years for it to fill up. Um, and so yeah, it finally, yeah, and it created um, drinking water for the Metropolitan Boston, which is out off to the, the left. And so, of course, that was you know long before I was born, and yet we met people um, who had grown up in or lived in those lost towns and had stories. Oh, and just envisioning envisioning the, the towns and. Um, it's just amazing. There's one of them, town of Dana, um, just had its annual reunion on Sunday, and um, and there's a, it's called the Dana Common, um, and uh, it's a town green for those who don't know. It's just that there's houses built around the green. Now the, it's not underwater, but they've preserved it, um, meaning they've mowed it. But all the buildings are taken down. They didn't leave anything. Mm. Um, but there's these foundations. Of of the buildings, and you go there, and you get a sense of what what it must have been like uh, being there. It's it's kind of um, you just you just look out across uh, this mode area, basically, you know, this clearing and the old and and now they've put up some plaques with them um, to get an idea of what the actual buildings were that were on the foundation. And so just oh. I think that just fired up my imagination as 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 a kid and then um just as I've been writing all and it was just ready to come out. And so Secrets of the Lost Summer, of course it's fiction and a creative fictional town along that's on the reservoir, much like how I grew up and very similar in certain ways to the town that I grew up in. Um it's a little bit smaller, but there's a library, the town library. Uh, it's very much like the library that um, I had growing up and I'd go grab books from the library and, and I volunteered there. So it just, and it was rumored to be haunted, just like this one in the Sister River Valley series. And uh, so, so just creating that, that town was a lot of fun. And then the history behind it. So I have a character and she's in her nineties and she was in one of the towns and had to, had to leave and it's her, some of it's her secrets. And then there's a story about her, you know, um, without giving too much of it away, but she has a big secret that's revealed in in that first book, and so and I yeah, wasn't sure it was, was going to be a series. You know, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna uh, just gonna say I when I you know I was gonna start reading Stone Bridges, and I'm like you know I, I realized I had Secrets of the Lost Summer. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read that one first, which I'm glad I did because it helped set the stage for what the tone was like. But um, you did a, you know, you did an incredible job um, portraying how these people felt when they lost where they lived. They lost, I mean, you know, everything was gone, and they had to be uprooted and moved, and and um, you know, and there's there is some mystery in this book, and um, which yeah, you mentioned, um, can't think of what Grace is that her name? Is that the yes, older lady's Grace, name? That's right. Yeah, that's the right. older lady oh. and by Stonebridge she's um she's still she's still with us. Um so she's but she's um she she was a teacher and 
and then re- retired. Oh, Latin been teacher, so that's right. Assistant. Yeah, Latin and English teacher. And um, so it was, a, it was just a, it's been, it's been a fun series to write. There's a little, sometimes there's a little bit of history in, in the books. Um, certainly in Secrets of the Lost Summer there is, um, it has to do with these stolen jewels. And, and that, that's been fun to do, but they're not suspense. There's no, there's no murder. There's no yeah. um, bomb about to go off. There's, it's not that kind of book. It's, it's, it's under the heading of, you know, romance and women's issues. And, um, and then the, the men in the books are really fun to write about. Um, like I say, Adam in Stone Bridges is, the, is one of the brothers of these six Sloan siblings, and it's five. It's um, what is it? Five boys and one girl growing up. So now yeah. they're all adults, and and there's different books about different ones. Um, so we have you know the the youngest the youngest one in Echo is in Le- Echo Lake, and that's the only girl. And then now has his story. Justin has his story. Insider Brook. So um so that that's been fun and there's other there's other books about other people, it's not all this one family. Um you know, it's it's really a sense of the small town and the different kinds of people who who live there. And and so Adam though is he's a quiet uh stonemason, he's one of the quieter guys um that I write about um in this series. And so it's just fun to delve into his what who he is, how did he get there? Because he'd been a character in some of the other books, but not in a big way. And so now he gets his chance to have center stage um, with his story with Adrian, who's quite quite the character. And she appeared in first appeared in Echo Lake. So, but you don't have to read the books in order to follow a story. It can help, and and it's interesting talking to readers too about how how they like to read a series. Um, most of, that I've come across tend to be like me where they'll dive into a series and um, you know, maybe, like you say, you're about to read Stone Bridges and realize there's a, another one you want to read the first one. They'll go back to the first one, but read, read them. But then they read them in order. Um, so I, I'll dive into a series. I did that with uh, Elizabeth George. I dove into her series and then, okay, I got to stop. I got to go down to the beginning. I was only like, she's only written like three, but I've been reading her for so long. And I went to the beginning and, and read and have continued to read them in order. You know, one, one advantage to, you know, not to, you know, because there's like 10 books, 10 books in this series now, I think I counted. Um, you know, I don't have to wait for the next one to come out. <laughs> I can just keep reading because <laughs> so, sometimes it's like, oh, no, no, I got to wait, you know, <laughs> so I can go yeah. back and like I said, just keep, keep, just keep reading. It is fun. Go and, ahead. And I, I think that that sometimes when I'm, when I'm writing a series too, it's like, okay, these other books are there and they stand on their own, but there's a connection to them. And then I've noticed, um, so now we're trying to get your hands on books. Now, if you're a lot of these series, Swift River Valley and Sharp and Donovan, the paperback copies are still available. But sometimes um, some of my older titles or other authors that I want to read, um, their earlier books in a series or their earlier books, period, just aren't available in print. 
And that, to me, is one yeah. of the beauties of the e-reading. And that's what got me into e-reading because I, I I just love, a, you know, I'm used to reading paper and I love paper. I, I write a lot on um, But once I, it was something happened. It was a, actually an Elizabeth George book, which, you know, that, that she writes long books. And I was going to Ireland, and so I had it on. Uh, I, I read on a iPad Mini still, and and I, I just I got into it. And once that happened, I ended up really loving um, reading on an e-reader. And and I, I you know I, my, my iPad Mini is ready to be replaced, so I'm gonna have to figure out what to replace it with. But but some I don't know if that happened with you or with other readers when it's just like the, there's that. It's like you just immerse yourself into it, and once you're in it, it's just like you're just there. I I can't explain it, but I I ended up really liking it. I still read mostly paper, um, but I I do love e-readers too. And the thing with an e-reader, like if if I'm reading, uh, you know, because what I tend to do is I'll, I'll go back to my oldest books and then read. It's like, oh, I really like this. Oh, it's it's a series. I can just download the next book and just continue reading. Exactly. Go ahead. Um, and you can also, you can download the next book and you can download the whole series. So I've had readers um, tell me they've done that. They'll, they've discovered the series, for example, with um, Imposter's Lure, which um, came out in hardcover last year and, book and audio which is a whole nother thing and and then uh, the paperback's coming out on July 30th and so they discover the series there and they've gone back and downloaded all the other books or they go back and order or they go to their library and um yeah. and and order them there and so there's just so many ways to get your hands on on the books you want to read um I think that's one of the beauties even though we've seen so many um Stores go out of business, like borders go out of business, that yeah. or shrink or whatever. That it's it's in some ways it's actually easier to get your hands on on books, and in other ways it's more it's more difficult. Um, it depends on what what kind of reader you are, but you you really can find them if you want. You know, want to read that particular well, husband, book? And, yep. You can you can get it right at your fingertips. My husband is he's one he's he's resisting reading on a on an e-reader, but he does like it when I do because he can turn the light off at night. <laughs> I can keep reading, and you know I've been reading you know the the paperbacks of your books, and it's like, sorry, the light has to stay on. <laughs> Although that doesn't stop him from falling asleep and snoring, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's just it's just nicer, you know, because you can just turn that light off and I can keep on reading, you know. So keep reading. Um, That's great. Yeah. Do you yeah. do audio books at all? No, I haven't. I haven't done any. I found well years and years ago. I had you know back on the tape days. Um, I think I had something that I had in my in my car, and all of a sudden I was somewhere, and I'm like, uh, how did I get here? I was so immersed yes. in the book that I didn't realize. I don't even remember what the book was, and it was like, and but I have that problem too when I'm writing in my head, and all of a sudden I'm like, Ugh. but you know, I'm like, you know, that's not very safe for me to listen to audio books when I'm driving. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I see if it's a really, really, really good book. Identify. 
I can identify. And uh, my husband too. He doesn't listen to audiobooks in the car anymore because that's what he just gets so immersed in it and misses his exit. We, um, and and I, I mean, I just it's so easy to do. I can listen more to podcasts. Uh, isn't that great? Mm. <laughs> Podcasts and audio yeah. books. Um, and, I mean, audio nonfiction books in in the car. Oh, okay. But once I'm um, novels, I tend not to. But I'm hearing that a lot of people are they're listening to audio books um, while they're cleaning the house or ironing or something like that where they, they have to use their hands, but they're not really engaged in what it is they're doing. And so they, they listen listen to an audio book. So that's awesome. And and I find I, I know when you go to find more readers asking me about audio books. Yeah, I haven't put any of my books in, in, in audio books yet. It's just like one more thing that would have to be done and I'm like, uh but I know yesterday I was at the library with my one of my granddaughters and and uh you know the audio book shelves there's just more and more and more you know, audio books at the library. It's you know, taking up, you know, more space, which is which is fine, you know. And and reading is reading, you know, or listening, or <laughs> you know, you can find good authors I know, that way it, too. It, yes, and and then I I've discovered because I'm I'm not an expert audio reader, and I find that um, when I choosing a narrator, my publisher does the produces the audio. Um, but I sometimes have input on who the narrator will be, and and that and and readers have their favorite narrators where they get caught up in a narrator, and if you change it mid series, um, that can cause them some problems, and it takes some time to, to oh. adjust. So, yeah, and I have not I'm not such an audio expert that I expert reader that I've developed, um, you know, a real list of of readers narrators that that I go to automatically but I've had um, this woman Carol Monda who has done um, I think it's at least 20 of my romantic suspense books and and um, so so you know you, I'm sure readers have gotten used to her voice in for, for those books and, and I've, I've actually corresponded with her and stuff. She's a, a lovely person. And, and then the, um, the Swift River Valley series has another narrator. So a different one all together, Susan Boyce. And uh, it's interesting because Susan's going to be narrating um, Rival's Break, my next Sharp and Donovan book, which comes out in the end of August. So that'll be an interesting switch. Carol was not available and so, um, and Susan was stepped in, and and people love her, love her narrating. So I've been very fortunate with that. But people, you know, readers, it's just like anything else. You have that that um, that you get attached to a certain kind of thing. You know, whether it's like I want my books in paperback or, or I only read hardcover. Um, I I can I can completely understand that because I have my little, you know, I I just. Um, I just find it fascinating, the whole area of audiobooks and learning more about it and experiencing experiencing it. But um, I, I have to admit I do, I do less fiction than nonfiction on audio. And other people I know are the exact opposite. Boy, you've got me intrigued to try it. <laughs> To, to you know to, to get one and listen what do you what do you listen to it on when you're at home i mean i understand in the car but what do you 
I mean, okay, see, technology sometimes is, you know, <laughs> above and beyond me. It's like, what do you listen to it on when you're listening to it? Oh, oh, sure. I, um, when I've listened at home, which I don't, um, other readers probably do, uh, so they, they may have better solutions than I do, but I just um, tend to have it on my iPad or my iPhone, so um, I, and it's audible, and, and I just start playing it, and then I have this separate little, I, I can't even think, a speaker, um, portable speaker, and I put that on so I get, the, I get a better sound. So um, I don't, uh, other people listen to them completely um, on headphones or earbuds. So I know this guy, he's actually in his 80s, and he never read. He, he brilliant guy, um, done so much in his life, but he was never a reader. Um, and he, he says it's because he's dyslexic. And he discovered audiobooks, and he he has he always wears earbuds, and he and he also picks up the speed, which I didn't even I didn't even thought about doing that. But he says, yeah, they read just well, so he he puts it on like hmm. one and a half or two minutes or whatever it is, so they read faster. He just reads all the time now. He's he's catching up on on lost times, and he oh gosh, I he just loves to talk about books. We have these great conversations, but isn't that wonderful that? That has um, yeah. audiobooks has opened up the door for him to be able to read. Well, and people who have you know are, are blind or you know, I, I, I good friend of mine, her mother has macular de- de- degeneration, and um, she can no, no longer even read the large screen computer screen that they had for her, and so audiobooks is you know works you know works well. So um, I'm going to have to look into that now. You've really got me in, in, intrigued <laughs> about it. I, you know, it, it, um, it is fascinating, and, and it's um, readers who writing to me and stuff got got me intrigued to learn more about it and give it give it a shot. And it's certainly a, a growing area, so it's fascinating. And I, 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 you know, I'm sure readers will continue to educate me about it, that world and much else. Yeah, probably something I need to think about too for with my book since it's becoming such a big thing but again it's like I don't even know how to go about getting my you know my books on audio so I have no idea I'll just tell my, ask my PA let her deal with it <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I, 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 uh, yeah you say I gotta let her deal with it <laughs> yeah. it's true though with the technology it's great to have somebody you can turn to isn't it so. Yeah, we were talking about that before we went on the air. It's like, you know, there's things I know I can do, but I don't want to do, <laughs> you know. And I've yeah. I've yeah, written history it. books. Yeah, I've written history books, 600-page history books, and done all the layout and design and everything on it. But don't ask me to download a program onto my computer. Ugh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like a common exactly. son-in-law. There, can you please do this? <laughs> I think that there's been re- there's things that, um, and especially now as writers, when in the, whether you're independently published or traditionally published, certainly I started out um, publishing uh, quite a time ago, and the role of the writer in this process has changed dramatically over the years. Oh, yeah. and, and not yep. because of indie publishing, but technology itself, so that there was more uh, marketing and PR opportunities that, that we could do ourselves. So even before eBooks came along, there was there were some changes, and 
um, and just how, how publishers do things, how authors do things. But now there's just so much we can learn and do ourselves, and, and there's simply not enough hours in a day, at least not for yes. me. And so I really want to be doing this. So I'd rather offload the things that maybe I could learn it. Maybe I even want to learn it, but it's really not the best use of my time. And that that's how mm-hmm. I feel about it. Yeah. Well, that brings up the next question. What is your writing day like? I mean, okay, but let me, let me backtrack. When was your first book published? Do you remember? My first? <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, I started, so I sold my first book right out of college. And, oh, wow. Yeah, and, and I actually, the first one I wrote was called The Venus Shoe, which that's also one of the early books that I, I'm putting putting out there myself, a reissue because I have the rights back. So I learned a little bit about how to do the indie publishing and kind of fun. Um, but but mm-hmm. like you say, there's just so many more things you can do than it's like, oh, I need to learn that, I need to learn that, I mean, and, and just find, like, can I find somebody who, who can do this for me? But anyway, so The Venus Shoe came out. Um, but after I had already, I, I didn't sell that book right away. It got me an agent, but then the agent sold some other books ahead of that. And um, I was actually one of the launch books for the Bantam Love Swept line when it first came out oh, wow. in 1983. Yeah, and Sandra Brown was another of the launch book authors, and we we met back then. Um, so it's like the first books were 82, 83, 1983, 83. So I was just a kid, and I was having a great time. And now we fast forward, and I'm on like whatever number book I'm on, and and still having a really, really, really great time with this crazy world of publishing so, but the, and the writing itself. So what is your writing day like? My writing day, I'm definitely a morning person. I can write anytime, anywhere, but I prefer to write in the morning, and I, um, I tend to write at home. I can write in a coffee shop, but it's, it's, and a lot of writers love to do that. Um, but it's it's not it's not what what I tend to do. Um, so I and I don't climb trees anymore. I don't sit up in a tree anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I I come down and I get started early and and I write um, in the morning and into the afternoon. Not every day, but most days I probably go into the afternoon. And because I, I get up early, at like five a.m. And, oh, okay. and then I and then I go for a run. I tend to go for my runs after I after I work. Okay, that's yeah. Because do you write for word count or just until you know chapter count or you know because every every writer is different. So I'm just yeah. You know, I get bogged down if I if I get too rigid about like page count, word count, finishing a chapter. Now, not always, because sometimes I, I really need to do that in order to, to focus on what I need to do. But generally speaking, I'm more time-focused, and and during that time I write. Um, I don't not write. So I don't sit there and you know, look for distractions or, well, but, I mean, distractions can happen, especially this summer with the landscaping and, all that yeah. stuff. But um, so so that's what I tend to be because I can sit down um, and write 
pick a number of words. You want me to write you know, 10 pages? Let's, let's do pages. So if I have a friend who's who does work well with pages, and so she'll do 10 pages a day. That's her thing. And sometimes she writes more. You know, it's rarely over 15, but somewhere between 10 and 15 a day. And there's a come to a predictable end. So she knows that after so many days, she's going to have 400 pages, let's say. And then she goes through those at a, at a very, and she takes like 50, and she writes by an outline too, by the way. And she takes like 50 pages a day and polishes and prints it out and done. Now, I've tried to do that because that seems like a very sensible approach to writing. But what happens to me is I, I could do the 10 pages. No problem. I'll sit down like 10 pages right now. <laughs> but I, then, then I get like a stack of, you know, I get like 50 pages and I throw out, you know, 37 of them. So now I have, what, 13 uh, pages. Did I write 50 pages or did I write 13 pages? So then I, I just, I get, I start playing silly games like that. And um, um, so that doesn't, and, and probably because I'm not a strict outline writer, like, I mean, she's a very good outline writer and she's a brilliant writer and extremely successful. Um, and that's, that's the way she does it. Like you say, everybody does different ways, but for me to get that regimented um, is just not going to work because I can do the 10 pages. Yeah. Maybe if I, you know, if I could find a page count or whatever, I, it might, I don't know, it's probably 80, what if, how many ever books I have out, it's probably not going to work for me to change. So you're, you're more, you're more of a pantser then, than a, than a plotter. Not, not completely. I'm somewhere in between. Yeah. I'm a mix. Okay. So it's the first 75 pages that I do a lot of the, um, I get to know the characters by writing, and I write out a lot of stuff. I do it up by hand then, and and when I get when I have those down, that's when I can um, I have a better sense of the whole story um, after I do that. But for me to sit down and plot it all out ahead of time, and then write it, um, write those first seventy five pages, I, it doesn't usually work. It's better if I plot and write at the same time and. Then I go. Yeah, that's there. yeah, that's kind of the way I am. Because then it's like, well, what if your character doesn't do what you had plotted for them to do? You know, like, yeah, and sometimes the story. Go ahead. Yeah, and and the the story can it's something about those creative juices when you're when you're in there and you're in their heads and you're really working it, and it's another 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 way for the I don't know the story to come together and for the characters to come to life and. Um, and I and I it's a it's actually a more for me to write if you want to get into efficiency. So whereas my friend for her to do it my way would just it just would frustrate her. Um, she likes yeah. to know the where and and she does that that kind the kind of thinking I'm talking about she does at the nine stage. So it's not really you think about it it's not as different as we sometimes make it out to be, to be an outliner or a panther. It's sort of like, when, when do these pieces, when do these characters come to life and how does that happen for you? Um, I, I don't know if you've ever read, uh, mentioned Elizabeth George again, but she has a how to write book called Write Away, W-R-I-T-E, Away. It's really interesting uh, to read about her process and how, how she goes about it. And, and for her, it's very, it seems like it's very, um, it's just, She's very left brain and it's very efficient and um and and there's a process to it. And I'm reading it going like if I did her running outline, for example, um, 
would that work for me? I don't know. I've tried it. I've played around with it because it's fun to do, but it doesn't. It just, it, that's what works for her. And she'd be the first to tell you that too. So, it, but it's fascinating. Yeah. Book and I, um, um, I hi- highly recommend it for any writer, whether they're an outliner or, or a pantser or, or like you and me, somewhere in between. Yeah, somewhere in between. Yeah, I, I, one of the story, books I was working on, and and all of a sudden my my uh, heroine got kidnapped, and I was like, okay, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> now what do I do? So I sent sent a message That's to my great. PM I'm like, she just got a yeah, she just got abducted. I don't know what happened. You know, it just kind of came out of my fingers, and I was like, "Whoa, okay." So, okay, we're getting yeah. we're getting down here to about four minutes. So, um, I do want to talk about a little bit about um, your book that's coming out August twenty seventh. Oh, wait a minute! Before that, are, are there going to be any more um, Swift River Valley books? We never. I, I I'm not working on one right now, and so I, I'm not planning out too far ahead. But um, but we'll see. We'll see. I think there will be. How about that, Bernie? Okay. Okay. Because I know sometimes when I read a series and and I see characters and I'm like, oh, are they going to be in the next book? Or, you know, Mm. hmm, what's the next book going to be? But um, let's talk a little bit about um, your new release, August 27th, Rival, Rival's Break? Rival Break? Rival's Break. Yes, I'm very excited about this book. Um, It features... Uh, FBI agents, Emma Sharp and, and um, Colin Donovan, and it's a book in the Sharp and Donovan FBI series. And they're Boston-based FBI agents in a kind of a small elite unit. And he's an undercover agent, so he's not, he's sort of shoehorned into the team. He really isn't completely a part of it. And Emma is an art crimes expert from an interesting family, and they um, of art detectives. Her grandfather, Wendell Sharp, is a, a world-renowned art detective. So he um, and he's been in, I think, every book from Saints Gate is the launch book in the series, and Rivals Break is the full-length book and the tenth story because there's a you know a novella prequel, Rock Point. Rivals Break. Um, Emma and Colin are at, back in Colin's hometown in Maine. They actually grew up a few miles from each other coast of Maine, but they didn't know each other until they meet in Saints Gate. And and so this is a little fishing village where he um, and his family are. And his brother, Andy, is getting married. And so it's a big family wedding get together. And of course, the, the wedding goes off, but then they get called. And um, his, his other brother, who's a Marine Patrol um, officer in Maine, and they get called to a food poisoning, but it's something's wrong on it. It's a yacht, a yacht party, and everything goes haywire from there. So it's just, um, it's, it's a fun story. I didn't explain it very well. I got to get good at this because the first time I'm talking about it, but um, I had a, uh, it's gotten some great reviews, which is always heartening. And uh, early yeah. on, because you, you read it and you like it, you go, oh, anybody else can like it? And, and so far, so good. People really are enjoying the story. Uh, but it is suspense. So there's um, um, there's a stolen Irish painting. There's this poisoning aboard a ship and, and um, this yacht. And could it be a um, nerve agent? That's one of the questions early on about it. So mm. it's just, um, a lot of, lot of different uh, pieces to the story 
and there's a return well, of sounds, some of the some of those characters. Well, we are down to like thirty seconds, so I'm going to have to let awesome. you go. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I look forward to reading you know the more of these um, um, books and the the Donovan Sharp series. And thank you so much for joining me, and I hope we can talk or meet again sometime. Um, Join me on August 13th when I'll have Tess Thompson on my show. Until then, read on. Until then, read on, my lovelies. Thank you, Carla. Thank you.